Kreusau, welcome to Recovery Now Radio, which is brought to you in conjunction with Adveriad Recovery and Living Room Cardiff. Adveriad Recovery is a registered charity offering specialist support to those with co-occurring substance misuse and mental health conditions. Living Room Cardiff provides ongoing support and aftercare as a community-based recovery centre that has an all-addictions approach, including gambling, alcohol, drugs, both prescribed and illicit, sex, eating disorders, gaming, etc., or any other harmful behaviour. We welcome anyone who needs confidential support in taking those first important steps towards change and recovery. Family members and friends are also catered for. For further details, please see the Adveriad Recovery website, www.adveriad.org.uk and www.livingroom-cardiff.com. Thank you so much. Welcome to Recovery Now Radio. Let's recover together. Persecution, you must be. Win and lose, you've got to get your share. Got your mind set on a dream. You can get it. The heart is missing now. Recovery Now Radio, coming to you from the living room and at Berryard. Welcome to Recovery Now Radio, coming to you from the living room and Adveriad. My name is Joe, and our guest today is Aaron. Welcome, Aaron. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. And yourself? Great. We're having scorching weather in Wales today. Yeah, it's boiling down here. Yeah. Well, Aaron has come in to talk to us about his um, alcohol and other substances uh, misuse and his subsequent recovery. Um, but before we do that, I want to get straight into your first song choice, which is I Had Too Much to Dream by The Electric Prunes. Why did you choose that one, Aaron? It's, it's always kind of been a favourite of mine. I love I love the kind of psychedelic music and stuff, especially or, you know, a lot of stuff from the 60s. And I kind of used this a little bit of a way. If I was, I would tell myself that I was kind of dreaming a little bit too hard when I went in a bit too hard when I was younger. So, yeah. Let's have a listen. I touched your golden hair tasted your perfume Your eyes were filled with love the way they used to be Your gentle hand reached out to comfort me Gone, gone, gone. 
listening to recovery now radio let's recover together and that was i had too much to dream by the electric prunes great song to start us off Aaron. um i wanted to ask you if i could or take you back to your childhood before we start um could you explain to us what growing up was like for you growing up was i was very lucky like i grew up in cornwall or Falmouth in cornwall i by I was surrounded by kind of my my parents were really good like both my mum and my dad are amazing people not the best together and I'm glad kind of when they eventually split up but my respective family kind of outside and stuff like I spent a lot of time with my grandparents my mum it was me my mum my dad and my sister until we were about seven or eight seven I think I was and then yeah we kind of we just grew up in cool we had quite a nice life and stuff my parents were pretty terrible together I think it's as simple as that you know they've they split up a long time ago and it was the best thing for both of them because they found their respective people. But yeah, it just did. I don't know. It, it didn't make it didn't make for the best time, basically, when we were kids. We were always kind of they weren't happy. So then that got, uh, you know, projected onto us a little bit. But I, I've always been quite an intelligent person, always been, you know, always been very intelligent. I didn't really have to try. I found it very easy to do a lot of things I was very sporty I was yeah I I have been very lucky in that respect I kind of found things kind of slightly easier and stuff so my issue was I started becoming quite disruptive and stuff when I was a kid because I would do the work and I would get bored very quickly or you know I yeah I was that typical kind of gifted but nuisance child basically who messed around a lot but Deep down, I meant well, I think. I did. Deep down, I meant well, but I kind of, you know, affected other people, I guess. Yeah, of um, course. And um, you mentioned in your brief that you wrote for us yeah. that um, when you were quite young, I think 11, you said you were, um, that you um, were told that you had um, a liver disease. Is that right? Yeah. Well, well, actually, so when I was, I think I was about eight, seven or seven I think it was about eight I I got taken into hospital because I they found that I had swollen lymph nodes under my arms really unusual for a child shows us something was going on they took me in and they found my liver was actually enlarged which is mm-hmm. you know 
crazy um and at the time there was a lot of kind of I had a lot of back and forth because we could not work out for the life of us what was going on um really really unusual I was back and forth from Cornwall to London to see multiple specialists to have liver biopsies to have bone marrow biopsies to have everything you know they were like it could be this disease 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 um and the reason I think they found it so difficult because the disease that they ended up um, diagnosing me with, or which is something called cholesterol ester storage disease or lysomal, lysomal acid lipase deficiency, um, it's it's in one of the rarest diseases in the world. There's like 60 cases worldwide. Wow. Um, and at that time, it was even less known. So, you know, it was like, yeah, I, I was told you know I kind of started trying to live I used to black out a lot when I was a kid um, especially pre or until I was maybe like about 12 or something and you know lots of different things I had to be cautious I was learning to live with that and one of my even though they're kind of a pediatric um, doctor they just straight up kind of said to me due to this or you know the rarity of your disease there's likely to never be a treatment or a cure hmm. and I've now gone back through my head to work out that that was probably the start of a lot of my, you know, someone who's already a little bit wild and a little bit reckless was suddenly kind of now, oh, I need to, you know, I'm going to, I, oh, I'm not going to live very old. I'm going to maybe make it to 25 or something. So I'm just going to live my life. And that's kind of where I went a little bit off the rails, I'd say. <laughs> Yeah, well, I can understand that. I mean, you know, that must have been quite a bombshell to live with. But we'll talk um, We'll talk a little bit more about that and what happened afterwards in a sec. Um, your second choice of music is I Can't Control Myself by The Horrors. Why did you choose this one? They're a band or a similar kind of thing. When it was, a, I listened to them a lot when I was kind of growing up and they changed between various different kind of stages. And I really liked, you know, similar, they got kind of some psych elements. Um, but, you know, this song, I, I couldn't control myself. I haven't controlled myself in the past. And I think the title shows that.
you're listening to Recovery Now Radio, let's recover together. And that was I Can't Control Myself by the Horrors. Well, it was a bit of a horror what you went through as a, as, as a child, wasn't it, Aaron? Um, yeah. I can't imagine all those visits to the hospital, you know, and, and robbing you of childhood, really, what that must have felt like. You uh, describe yourself as um, intelligent, sporty, but also a cocky teen, I think you mentioned. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. <laughs> you're brief. So, and, and I think maybe that's where I got the age 11 from. So tell me, what was cocky about you from 11 plus onwards then? I, well, at that point, in all honesty, I kind of thought, well, you know, this is me now, so I'm just going to live my life and live it however I want to. And I think I started becoming a bit more of a toxic person than I ever wanted, in all honesty. My my bravado then went, it, it was more... Just not, it was just not, I wasn't as nice to other people as I like to be like. Now I am, I am a fun loving hippie. I preach love to everybody. I'm all about peer, you know, positive mental attitude and spreading good things. But at the time, I think I was so angry with life in all honesty. I was so angry that I had been put in this position and it's, and it's nobody, you know, it's nobody's fault. It's literally one in millions or something, the chance of this mm. happening. And they, they told me straight up, they was like, you know, this is so rare, there'll never be a treatment or a cure. And like after that moment, I was like, well, that's me done. So I'm just going to, I I started, you know, I was I was skating at the, at the, it's like I was sporty already, doing lots of sports, playing tennis, I was coaching. And then suddenly, like I would then started partying more and I started, <sighs> I would get high all the way through school. I would drink through school. I would bunk off school to go and skate and you know and drink and take whatever um and it just and it's like suddenly I don't I was just really happy with being this really um I don't unproductive and not the nicest person and I could Mm. I thought I was doing okay I thought I was like living my best life because you know I was making the most of the time that I had but really it was the prerequisite for me losing a lot of the person that I you know or the person that I wanted to be yeah and, and yeah. of course drinking and, and taking substances was not going to do your liver any favors whatsoever no. but you're not to know that as a young child um can you tell me um when your early days of drinking and, and taking substances then what was that like for you what did it do for you but in Cornwall, there's a little bit, yeah, there's always been kind of like a little drinking culture and there's a lot of young people who drink at a younger age. There was not, not a great deal to do, but we're surrounded by fields and beaches and things like that. So people would go and drink and go to the beaches. And it was I from year seven, so yeah, 11 or 12 years old, people would drink a considerable amount, like way more than, you know, a lot of, most people start talking about drinking like this when they're like 14, but mm. it was a really sociable thing. But then it was, I think my problem was started really quickly. And then suddenly I was drinking way too much. And it was like, oh, I'm gonna, you know, I'm in a back of an ambulance because I've drunk a bottle and a half of whiskey and I'm 12 years old. Like, wow. and that, and that sort of stuff was happening a bit like I was so out of it they thought I was overdosing on something and right. like it that sort of stuff would kind of I wouldn't get hospital but I just I became so 
used to consuming alcohol that my amounts were going up so heavily so quickly and it was just trying to kind of get get control of that again was difficult and it's the same thing with same thing with drugs it's like I I started smoking weed at a young age and then I was like well I can do this and I'll try this and I'll try this you know not because I I don't like the stepping stone thing because I think naturally we're all inquisitive people anyway but I started playing with things because I, I I found it fun, obviously, until it became not fun. You know, what what I thought was a positive thing for me and me living my best life was actually much darker, basically. It was me trying to deal with my mental health and trying to kill myself slowly through poisoning an already struggling body, basically. And then that was in turn poisoning my mind. And I was, you know, I was dropping off doing all the things I wanted to do. Um all the things that I've been working I've been working on for years on becoming a really good tennis player and it wasn't there anymore it was like you know I just yeah it, it partying became more of the thing basically drinking became more of the thing I'd sleep for an hour and go and coach tennis on a Saturday morning and I could barely stand up really after a while sometimes it was and it's like I'm teaching kids and young kids and I couldn't do what I needed to do well, they say, um, well, drugs and alcohol make everything better until they make everything worse. And, and I guess yeah. that was that was a case for you. Let's talk about that in a second. Your third song is The Glass by Ferocious Dog. Um, what's good about this song? Um, so The Glass is actually, so this was, I, I believe, written by Ken Bosnell, the lead singer of Ferocious Dog. And basically his, um, his son, he struggled with alcoholism and stuff. And he yeah it's it's putting that glass down it doesn't always help it's not going to do the best for you
eternity. That was The Glass by Ferocious Dog. You're listening to Recovery Now Radio. Let's recover together. Aaron, I want to talk now about the escalation of your problems with alcohol and substance misuse. And perhaps when you things started to be not good at all, maybe your late teens. Can you talk me through that? I had been kind of binging very heavily, drinking a lot. By the time, basically, I entered a relationship when I was 18. I had been kind of living with the girl. We spent so much time together. We basically lived together. I had, her family was my family. We were incredibly tight. I thought this was my forever person. I thought, you know, married, kids, house, mortgage, all the, you know, the whole shebang. And I struggled like I really really struggled when that happened I kind of fell out with my mum very quickly because I was having to spend a lot more time there so I she kind of didn't want me around um, once that happened and I made friends with some people at the time some of the people at the time that I was kind of made friends with were in a darker place themselves anyway they were all kind of dealing with their issues and it we the expression was let's drink a seven basically our pre-drinks before going anywhere was a 70 c hour vodka each and you know that started happening pretty quickly and then we knew people in the bars so it was like i was paying 50p for a triple vodka and lemonade and it wasn't because i necessarily wanted to drink vodka and lemonade i wanted to get drunk i really wanted to just stop remembering things and it was I friends died, you know, people would even say to someone who didn't know me as well once said to me, do you even drink? Like you don't, I don't realize, I don't know that you're drunk. And I'm like, that's really worrying because I am like a liter and a half of, you know, deep in that evening alone. And I'd already been drinking maybe beers in the day or something like that. And I just, I really, I really, really wasn't okay at that time. I was yeah, it was it was all alcohol, all drugs, no sleep. I was struggling to work. I was blitzing through my money. I was having to get bail or like my my dad would send me money regularly just to kind of make sure I was eating because my, my money went on alcohol and drugs, basically. It went yeah. on unproductive things. And I was, you know, and I was kind of failing <laughs> quite badly then at that time, kind of with I was giving up, basically. I was I was definitely giving up. Yeah. Do you know the um, as with uh, most people who have issues with alcohol and, and other substances, there are consequences. Can you talk us through some of the consequences of your addictions? Yeah, I lot like I lost a lot of people when I was when I was younger. I made people not like me. I've still to this day I'm finding out things that I did that I do not approve of that happened kind of specifically or during that during you know that period of time in my life and the problem is I'm so far removed from once being that negative person that I was that it now really gives me pain like it really gives me pain to know that I was like that I, I there was plenty of people trying to help me but they didn't know how to they didn't know how to in a way that was going to be constructive for me I I was doing I was you know study I was learning to make furniture at the time and I was basically I the reason I got kicked out of my college course at the time because I blacked out and almost like sliced my head open with a bandsaw 
And, mm. you know, I'm in there making, supposed to be making furniture using heavy machinery. And I'm so drunk that I blacked out. And they were like, you either sort this out or you go. I was just like, well, I choose the alcohol. And I kind of, it wasn't the root of all my problems, but dealing with the mental health struggles that I was dealing with anyway, the addiction and the depression, you know, alcohol being the depressant that it is, brought me further down and kept me down. It was never allowing me to get better and never allowing me to kind of see that there was light. You know, it's like, it's like they you know, just in that song then, The Glass, it's like this world's not good enough or, you know, good enough for me. And it's, it, I eventually got to that point where I realized the life that I was living was not good enough for me. It was not what I should have been. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of damage. I've been, I'd been doing a lot of damage to me mentally, physically, emotionally to other people like it was mm. just I hurt people I hurt people I hurt myself and like ultimately it seemed like I was having the most fun in the world but I really really wasn't you mentioned your mental health and after this next song I'd like to revisit that if that's okay yes yes, yes. your next song is your emotions by the dead Kennedys what inspires you with this song I've I've been a little punk kid since I you know since I was a kid and I, it's, a dead Kennedy, it's, just, it's just a dead Kennedys, do you know what I mean? And it, like it's a, it says, um, they say everything for me perfectly a lot of the time. They're political, they're angry. It's, they're just, yeah. I agree. to recovery now radio let's recover together and that was your emotions by the dead kennedys aaron we talked a little bit about your or your mental health struggles um just before that song and, and i want you to if you can to explore that a little more with me how was your mental health affected and and in particular your relationships as a result of that so we've kind of slightly like attributed my we've like we've done the work it kind of worked out that it was when yeah when I was kind of told that my my life expectancy is way less that I had a bit of a mental breakdown and what we've now kind of attributed this time has gone on there's been different things and people have said you know they used to misdiagnose BPD as bipolar back in the day and that's kind of what I was looked at when I was younger but I was adamant about not having medication so I was trying to control it myself and then also dealing with addictions and other kind of every single thing kicking off at once I still have it to this day in all honesty where I can just 
I can get very frustrated very quickly. And I think that is a byproduct that's kind of, you know, gone on over the time. And it, I mean, well, but I can just, you know, I, I just wasn't always the nicest to people. I wasn't always, I was like, well, you should do this. This is the way it should be. Mm. And it was very, becoming very forceful, even though it was, it's like, I have a habit of knowing what I should do myself. And I wasn't able to do it at the time, especially. And like, and then I didn't understand why other people didn't do the things that they know they should probably do. And like, I don't know. I just, I wasn't, I wasn't, I became not a nice person Mm. through struggling with my mental health. I would tear myself apart. I was trying to block everything out. And that's where the, you know, it's mental health and addiction, obviously going up, they're both addiction, you know, both, struggles but they or they go hand in hand because I was trying to block the way my mind was working out with the alcohol and drugs that I was consuming and I was then feeling so rubbish afterwards because of the amount of alcohol and drugs I was consuming that I was still low so then I was just it was this never-ending cycle you know yeah. I would I used I, I went through a period of time where I took far too much MDMA and I was not right. I would be rocking backwards and forwards in the morning in the fetal position. And like, I, I, I was, it was really difficult to get out of that. And then I would take more drugs or I would drink more drink. And my mind was never recovering. I was just in this perpetual, like, you know, this perpetual place of, I'm not allowing myself to get better or to heal. My mind was exhausted. My mind was at breaking point. I was hurting a lot. Yeah, hurting people around me. I was getting in relationships, trying to like, thinking that I could help other people whilst not helping myself, which is just crazy. Um, They say, they say that uh, borderline personality uh, disorder, um, I, I think I'm right in saying is now called emotional instability disorder. Um, did you find controlling your emotions um, was always a problem for you then? Yeah, yeah. I'm very quick to react, um, whether that's a, you know, whether that's a happy reaction or a negative reaction. I, it, it, it's taken, like, for a long time, it was a real, real struggle with that. And I've, I've had to do a lot of work. I've done a lot of kind of training on my mind and stuff to try and recognize when I'm in those places so if I get low like I I get still to this day even though I'm in a much better place I get I see horrific images of me hurting myself in all honesty at times if I'm low and it is hot and it really really hurts and it takes a lot I have to keep on telling myself look this is the part of your brain that doesn't function properly that doesn't it's, it's trying to not be your friend don't listen to it like you actually love your life you have a really good life and i i really do i'm really happy kind of in my life but there's a part that's trying to sabotage that all the time and that's what i'm having to recognize like i've had to rationalize those areas of my brain and if i'm too hyper and too kind of you know when i do get manic i have to make try and regulate that as quick as i can because you know that's when I do things where I'm like oh I need a haircut and start shaving my hair or something like that and then and that my hair's an important you know these things are like important things to me but the reckless part of me does it anyway and that's where like I'm I I have to try and keep yeah it's trying to ration like teaching myself to recognize when these things are happening basically yeah it sounds like a like a constant battle 
and something that uh, a bit like your addiction really you know your addiction's always wanting to get you back in that isolated place yeah and um, yeah. and it, sound, it sounds like um the, the same with your mental health issues that are trying to get you alone and in that place where you're going to pick yeah. up again yeah it's completely and like i'm i'm very i have an absolutely incredible partner and stuff now she has her struggles as well, but we're trying to help each other both through them. And we're recognizing and working as like a team because, you know, I've done, like I said, I've done loads of work over the years. I've got to a more positive place and I do recognize the issues. There's always work to, there's always work to be done. There's always, yeah. you know, the ways that we can kind of improve yourself. And, I, and I'm learning as well to not be harsh on myself for not being the best version all the time if that makes sense I'm not absolutely you know, yeah absolutely if, and uh, I, it's, a, it's about the journey as well isn't it yes. not you know it's about the journey and um not being hard on yourself and um you know just uh in try and enjoying you know every day and, yeah. I, and I, know, I know it's hard work sometimes but to try and enjoy your life the best you can and to and to do what you're doing with your partner now and help each other that you've know, come a long way you've come a yes. long way but we'll it's... talk about recovery in a second, um, if that's okay. Mm -hmm. um, your next song is Positively Fourth Street by Bob Dylan. What made you choose this one? As simply as I love Bob Dylan, I love this song. I love a lot of Bob Dylan songs. And I thought I was happy. I, you know, I wanted to listen to this. <laughs> <laughs>
You're listening to Recovery Now Radio, Let's Recover Together. And that was Positively Fourth Street by Bob Dylan. Right then, Aaron, let's get down to the nitty gritty. Because recovery <laughs> yes. is what we're here for. Yes. And spreading the message of hope yes. across the world. So tell me, how did you find recovery? What happened? It, it took me a few years. It took me a few years to kind of get to the place. I started, I, I kept on looking at myself and I was like, I'm not happy with where I'm at. I think the first time after, because I was drinking really heavily for quite a long time. And then it was like, I think I was 19. I've been told by my specialist that, look, you're not going to make it through a year if you carry on. You're not going to make it like there's not maybe not even six months. And I just started really struggling with that fact. And, you know, I, I, I stopped. And first of all, I find it really difficult because my friends are social, you know, either alcoholics or social alcoholics, you know, it's what, it's what we did. Even still to this day, if I'm meeting my friends, they're all going to be drinking. Like it's, you know, it's what it, it's just part of a lot of my friendship groups, ironically. Um, and we've kind of been also, I started then, it lasted a few months. And then I got back on, you know, I got back on it and I hit it really hard for a while. And then I was like, this isn't OK. And then it, and it's like gradually the time started extending that I could go. Suddenly I'd stop for six months, but I might start up again for three. Um, I I was getting really proud of myself because I was coming up to a year at one point or I think it was about 10, 11, 10 months. And then I started again, drank for two months. I went above and beyond at that point. I had full blown breakdown. I was turning up to doctor's appointments basically not able to walk I was not okay I, I was walking I was going across London and stuff and I could barely like I could barely function I didn't know how I was getting from one place to another and I'm there with expensive items on me that I left well actually I left a I left a MacBook Pro on the train and mm. I had to try it like I had to run back trying to find it and thank you know thank you that it was there but I was doing things like that and that period of time I went in really hard I was living my sister and I were living in a house that my dad had here we liked to party we had we lived right near the town it was the party house there was people coming back all of the time for my birthday I would have I would have huge I would fill up a bin full of you know make a 80 litre bin full of punch and and tell everyone to bring bowls of whatever spirit they wanted to chuck into it we would 
drinking staying up all night drinking it was like it was just constant it was a mixture it was like really disordered in its way of happening but I, I was still under the guise that it was for fun and stuff and it was at that time I was actually in university barely kind of turning up that the university put me on to an out onto alcohol and drugs counseling and they said if you don't do this now you aren't like you can't be here I had like I had turned up to um I'd had a meeting with Justin Kerrigan, the guy who kind of wrote, directed, or was also in um, Human Traffic. And I know he obviously knows what the world's about and stuff like that because he wrote a film about it. And, um, but I, you know, it's a huge deal for me. And I've been selected because I was really talented with what I was doing. I went out the night before, I had half an hour sleep. I, I was, taking coke on the way to the meeting and stuff and I'm sat in the back of the you know in the back of this room waiting for him to come to me my eyes are gone and I'm there with sunglasses on and he said do you have a heavy night I'm like I'm still going and Mm. although he knew what it was about I was I look back on it now and I'm like that's kind of pretty embarrassing because I could have done a lot better than that it wasn't you know it wasn't like I was you know there was a funny side to it maybe but this was a big opportunity that I was potentially going to squander. Like, yes, okay, I talked my way through it, but I almost squandered this opportunity. And it was little things like that that kept on adding up. I. What was your rock bottom then? My rock, the absolute rock the bottom. The absolute rock bottom. So was so. I have now been, yeah, completely alcohol free for over six years. Um, okay. The. Rock bottom for me was a friend was back over for a friend I hadn't seen for a long time was away. How she'd come back, everyone was really excited at the time. My grand was pretty ill, and I'd like my grand's a huge part of my life. And I was, I was taking some of my upset from that and plowing into my drinking and saying I'm having a good time. And I had been to an event or a rave, and I went on a real heavy like thirty hour binge. I, I, I hate to think how much I can see. I, like, I kind of have worked out. I don't even want to talk about it because it's terrible. But yeah. I went in really bad. I was being fed drugs by people at my house. I had, you know, irritated my neighbors, my family, everybody who was kind of around. I was getting, people were calling my sister, asking them to, you know, try and say, look, someone needs to stop Aaron because he's not, he's not seeming to breathe properly and he's walking through town and he is like, uh, he's a zombie right now. And, you know, he's clearly so drunk and on so much cocaine and other drugs that he is like, he might die. He genuinely might die. I, and what ended up happening was my mum got my, my dad and my stepmom to, or my, my dad and my step, other way around, my mum and my stepdad to come out and find me. And they actually found me running away from a pub because I was snorting lines off the table in the pub um, in the middle of the day. Um, I had already spilled a pint of very expensive red wine over myself in another friend's or another friend's establishment. And they eventually got me back. It took them quite a few hours to get me to sleep. And I woke up and in the middle of the, I woke up at some point in the night, went to go toilet and I collapsed and I was overdosing. And basically I threw up enough stuff that I kind of got myself better. My sister thought I was just, you know, I was being silly or something. She could, she had a crash and had no idea and then found me in the morning. You know, I was still breathing luckily, but I was on the floor, not 
okay in my bathroom basically and at that point I was like right that combination together was was the problem I took too many drugs because I was too drunk I was drinking so much because I had taken too many drugs I think this is helping me but it's really not it's literally destroying my life destroying everything around me and I'm gonna feel terrible for this and it was at that point I was just like I can't genuinely do this anymore like it's not sustainable it's not making me happy it's doing nothing for me some people can have a good relationship with these things and I realized I was definitely not one of them well after your next song which we're going to play in a minute I'd like to ask you like uh what got you better if you can mm-hmm. ever think about that for me mm-hmm. and how you managed to put it down in the end but your next song is paranoid by black sabbath why this one? Another thing, I'm, I'm, I love Black Sabbath. I've loved Black Sabbath since I was a kid. I, I was that te- terror away metalhead, skate punk, you know, whatever. And I, I, I love Black Sabbath. It's one of the, they are one of the bands I wish I'd seen more than anything. And I somehow didn't, you know, ever get around to it when I was younger. And I probably won't be able to now. Mm. Let's have a listen. listening to recovery now radio let's recover together and that was paranoid by black sabbath 
So, Aaron, we talked quite a bit about um, your using days and your rock bottom. Um, what I really want to know is how did you stop? Did you get outside help? Did you attend a fellowship? Did you have some counselling? How did you manage to stop for good? It was a mixture. So I was all, I was kind of all receiving the counselling at the time. Um, I had, I basically, when I kind of needed, a friend had offered me, they live out, live out on a farm. And so between, I was having like counseling sessions kind of over Skype with people. Um, and I was also um, kind of, I went and lived out with my friend's farm for a little bit, had a little bit of time just to kind of, you know, so I saw myself out a little bit. It just, it was even, it was a few days away at the start, but I think the, the thing that made the difference for me, like I, the help was absolutely incredible. I think I really had hit that rock bottom and that was why like I I was exhausted I was physically and mentally exhausted and I just I couldn't do it anymore so it was that point of with this I I'm not I don't need this anymore this is literally just doing so much harm that it it wasn't okay and it was the, at the time as well so I had started um, I'd started having treatment for my liver. I think that was one of the things. So I'd started having treatment for my liver after being told there'll never be a treatment or a cure. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd started having, yeah, started having that maybe, I think it was about eight months or nine months beforehand. Mm-hmm. And it was like, so suddenly I had this beacon of hope. I was there going to be able to like kind of live a life and stuff. And, you know, even if I was just having to have this treatment forever, it would probably keep me on to be a long, you know, a much older age, but I still was doing the thing that was destroying me. And yeah. I I had to like, re- I had to kind of get rid of that. You know, I started, I had that thing to focus on. And I think, you know, it's seeing the positives that we have in life, seeing all of the good things and not letting, letting what are basically toxins destroy that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you, 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 poisoning all of the good that you have in life is kind of it's no yeah. good and that was the, that was the that's where I kind of got to I just couldn't I couldn't continue poisoning myself when actually I was given some hope I had something to focus on I see there was positive in life I didn't you know the my whole I got into addiction because I was unhappy now I had a chance of being happy and I wasn't going to let kind of my addictions continue fueling my unhappiness basically it sounds like you you absolutely had had enough mm. to the point where you'd surrendered to it and you know I give up I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah, yeah. that's what it sounds like. And um, with having your counselling and becoming aware of your men- how to deal with your mental health issues, it sounds like that you started to build up a tool bag yeah. of, of of things you could use when times were tough instead of hitting the bottle and yeah. the drugs. So how did you use that tool bag to help yourself and how did it help you with your relationships? I start I started kind of realize like yeah, when things were tough or when my emotions were bad. It was it's the same sort of the craving was still there. When things are bad, you crave the thing that's probably also bad for you. But like, you know, we we do, we end up craving these things. And even like I'll be honest, you know, I'm six years in and I've still had moments where I've wanted to drink in the last few years or I've wanted to take some drugs and just numb myself but I what have, have you done to... instead what did you do at those at those moments 
I talk through, I talk, I, I listen to music actually. Music, music is cathartic for me. Like music is my, I, you know, I may not have the best explanations for why I choose songs and stuff. It's because I find all music cathartic. Like I can, it transports me to a different place. I, I use it to like cure my soul or whatever. You know, I will listen to something that's more upbeat or more like the preacher's love or you know, that talks through the emotions that I can't talk through in myself at the time. Um, so I started using that as kind of a tool because, or, and, you know, and I would talk to, I would talk to people and I would, I stopped internalizing everything. I started sharing with people. I said, I'm not okay. I really need your help. I want a drink right now. You know, this isn't good for me. And they'll be like, yeah, yeah, I'm here. Like, what do you need? And it's reaching out to people. I think it's a lot of that was actually realizing that we don't have to struggle alone with this I didn't have to struggle alone I had people even if they don't really understand just a pro- like it's that it's that you know that cliche of a problem shared is a problem halved you start talking about things somebody else's perspective is going to help you through it like it tends to help through it and it's not you know going to that thing that's only going to make it worse I think yeah. that's what I kind of had to tell myself every time that I I did have positive ways of fighting my way through it rather than just going for the negative. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, personally, there's a tiny bit of self-disclosure here. I'm an alcoholic and I couldn't agree with you more that um, I'm 14 months sober myself, but reaching out and um, sharing and rigorous honesty, Mm -hmm. telling people how you're feeling and discussing that, Yep. listening to music positive affirmations there are all kinds of exercise mm-hmm. there are all kinds of things that you can do eating healthily but bit by bit i think they're like stepping stones yeah. so you have to do one step at a time you know don't look at the whole staircase just look at the next step yeah and, and that's what i have to do yeah, we have to, is it, people, when there's kind of these, we, we overwhelm ourselves by saying this task is too big, but you just break it down into those chunks and eventually you do one thing, you do one thing. And then, you know, in no time, it's, you know, it's that staircase thing. Yeah, you, you just know, add in. Yeah. yeah, you slowly, you slowly tick off each step that you need to do and then you're there. Like, and, it, and then it becomes, and it becomes, it does become a lot easier over time. Mm-hmm. I I can be surrounded by alcohol and surrounded by drugs and people, cons- you know, doing all of those things now. And I've, I managed to get to a point because I recognize that it's not okay. Or, you know, for me personally, and I don't need to go towards those things. Your next song is Soul on Fire by Spiritualized. I don't know this song. Tell me about this. It's another kind of, you know, it's another kind of slightly psyche song. Um, but it's it's just quite beautiful in all honesty like i use i yeah like i said i use music to boost me up i focus i get happiness from music now so when i'm feeling rubbish i'll put on something like this and it makes me feel good excellent don't know where we're going
listening to recovery now radio let's recover together and that was soul on fire by spiritualized aaron do you know what i'm so pleased that um you can use music and listen to music like to heal you now i because i didn't think i could ever listen to music again because music and partying went hand in hand for me yeah but um, I'm, I'm so pleased because I, I can do the same as well. I can listen to music now and let it lift me and inspire me. And I don't have to take drugs and alcohol to go yeah. along with that. So, so it's, it's, really, got, it's really got, it's got, it's got, it really has that effect. Like that song then, you know, I've got a hurricane inside my vet. It's talking about blood rushing through your vet. You know, it's talking about life and it's saying, you know, I'm going to set my, it, it's, you can use, music like that to like yeah, you know to really you boost you up and and so many creative things actually you know we can use our creative energy to uh and, and do things practical things listening to music taking up a hobby doing a sport creating something with our hands you know i yeah. think 
the creativity part of our brain that isn't used very often is really therapeutic. So moving on then, (laughs) we've talked, we've talked so much today about a lot of things. And I have to say it's, it's been a, an absolute pleasure and a privilege to uh, have heard your story. And, uh, and I think you're an incredible young man, even though I haven't met you in person, you, you come across as being a very tough young man. You, you've conquered your demons and you seem to be in control of your life now, which, which yep. is absolutely amazing. Yep. Um, can you tell me how your relationships have improved since you've been able to put down the bottle and other stuff? My like relationships with like, you know, both romantic and in general have just got a, a million times better. Basically. I, I like making a positive impact on things. I like people liking me. I like trying to make people happy. I know how hard it is not being happy that I want to try and spread all kind of the positivity and stuff to people and help people through. I'm yeah, I'm more rational I'm I'm much more I'm much more there. Do you know what I mean? I'm not kind of I'm not this present. Yeah, I'm present. I'm not, you know, it's not lights are on but nobody's home kind of thing. And that's what happened, you know, I was like that quite, you know, for many, many years where depending on how into my consumption I was in the day, you might not be getting like struggling to get anything from me. And whereas I'm the person who likes to talk to everybody, I want to, you know, I want to enjoy and see people and stuff like that. I don't want to be in a corner focusing on getting drunk or getting wasted and not kind of, you know, doing things with people. And, you know, now it's even like my my partner, she doesn't really drink. She doesn't necessarily enjoy it in the same way. And we she like since being with me she probably drinks even less and we go and do fun things we we use our days really productively we'll go hiking we'll go or like we'll go wander around doing things and like I'm I'm getting a lot more enjoyment out of life and people and stuff like that because I don't have this one trap mind about consuming alcohol to make me feel better I'm using the way like my interaction with the world to make me feel better the people around me to make me feel better even my other friends who aren't necessarily or you know and people that aren't necessarily in as good a place or who might have their own battles I can try and help them with you know using you know my own experience and stuff to try and help them but then I can also like you know we I don't if then if their energy is a little bit off it no longer affects me because mm-hmm. I've managed to get control of my energy through not putting the bad into me, if that makes sense. Yeah. So what's life looking like for you now? What's the future looking like? What are your aspirations? <laughs> life's, life's really good. In all honesty, so I, had, I actually had an appointment a couple of weeks ago. So I was t- my liver was basically cirrhotic or, you know, I was very, I was very, very high up on the scale. I was struggling. We, I went to an appointment a couple of weeks ago where we actually thought I was going to be going in there and they were going to tell me when I was having to have a liver transplant. The opposite happened. So through my kind of positive living, you know, I'm, I'm very, I, I run, I work out, I do loads of things now. I eat healthily. I just try and focus on being good, sleeping better, blah, blah, blah. I've managed to actually reverse, or like the specialists were amazed, but I've actually managed to reverse a lot of the liver damage that was once there. So I am now at a point where I 
don't have to have a liver transplant that maybe for years and years like it might have to happen and that's a natural part of my liver disease or the disease I was born with but it's now years and years down the line because I've managed to make that impact so life for me I'm just going to continue kind of like now I don't have that that worry that I had beforehand you know that was going to be something that was going to mean that okay you're probably going to be ill for three to six months I'm a really hands-on person I like to be doing things all the time like I, I I film festivals music videos I work in events like that's been my thing and I was so concerned about that now that worry's gone I don't know. I, I, I'm just I'm super excited for the kind of for the future. There's loads of things coming up and I can feel like I can really focus on myself anymore because I am beating those hurdles as they come. And I have done. And this was a you know, this was one of the biggest hurdles that was there. And it's gone now. So I feel like I've got this whole new lease of life. I'm so positive. I'm ready to do something. I quite, I quite like the idea of kind of getting into like teaching, teaching students about how to use cameras and, you know, going into some form of teaching. Cause I've, I, I used to help out with some stuff and teach students. Uh, they would come and work with like my company and I would teach them bits. And I think do that. Mm. I think, you know, it'd be really nice. I like kind of, you know, give some like, I'll get enjoyment of seeing other people learning and stuff and doing some yeah. fun things and and giving something back, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It sounds like the world is your oyster, Aaron. It really does. And before we play your last song, um, I want to thank everybody for listening in. I want to thank the living room and Adveriad for helping us to have this uh, project happening so we can spread the message of hope across the world like we are doing. And I want to thank you, Aaron. It's been a blast talking to you. Some new music I've not heard before. <laughs> good, and, good. Um, your final song is Disarm by the Smashing Pumpkins. Tell me about this one, finally. It's the same again. I love the Smashing <laughs> I'm like, you know, it's a... I'm going to just take it from the title. It's, you know, it's disarming, like, the part of my brain that I don't like. I'm going to focus on the good stuff. Like, that, you know, simple as that, really. It's, Smashing Pumpkins are great. Positive mental attitude right there. Positive mental attitude. <laughs>